You're listening to And hey, you're listening to the Good Pop Culture Club for Friday, January the 7th, 2022. My name is Marvin Yue. And uh, yeah, we're still on hiatus. Uh, we'll have our first full Good Pop Culture Club episode next week. But since we haven't had an episode in a while, I thought I would release a little something um, to help tide you over. Uh, so this is going to be the first ever Good Pop Culture Club clip show. I've compiled a number of our favorite What's Poppins over the last year. So hopefully for longtime listeners, this will be a trip down memory lane. And for those of you who have just joined us recently, here are some of the segments you might have missed. Just Han and I really have a lot of fun um, talking about pop culture, and I hope you enjoy some of the good pop that we enjoyed over the last year. Uh, before we get started, I wanted to do my due diligence and remind you that if you are enjoying our show, to please support the podcast by giving us a rating and review on Apple or wherever you listen to your podcast if they allow ratings and help share episodes you enjoy uh, on social media. It really does help us out and it feels good to know that people enjoy what we're putting out. And the more you engage with us, the more we feel engaged with our audience. So thank you for listening. And yeah, let's get to it. Here is our first compilation of some of our favorite good pop from 2021. Enjoy. So what's popping with you, Jess? I have dusted off an old game, but it is a very... Uh, very appropriate. It, it feels appropriate to start like year two of quarantine with this. Um, it is Stardew Valley, <laughs> which is if for those who are unfamiliar, it's like Animal Crossing on steroids and like seventy percent less cute. Like you have to kill things in this thing in this game, but it's a farming game. Uh, you're, th- it starts your you basically work a soulless office job and your grandpa dies and leaves you a farm. So you have to develop the farm. You fish. You do all these things. There's like an endless list of tasks. Uh, you can get married in this game. It's a scam. Don't do it. Your spouse does shit. Um, <laughs> he barely feeds like the animals, barely waters any of my crops. It was a scam. Or maybe because I chose to marry the writer. I don't mm. know. Oh, he's the worst. He's the worst, but he's he was like kind of hot. Like he had like the Fabio hair. I was mm. kind of into it. There's a tweet I need to send you after this. Oh my God. So uh, I, I started playing in like when I was still living in San Francisco, almost like five, six years ago. And this thing is the most dangerous time suck. Even worse than Animal Crossing because one day in the game is real time 15 minutes. <laughs> and you have a lot to do in a day. Um, and, 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 you know, the sun goes up and down and when it's dark, if you don't have like light around you or like special equipment, it's like actually dark. You can't see much of anything. So you're just like, okay, one more day. Like I'll do this. And then like, I literally sat, I picked it up again. I started playing. I sat back up and I was like, holy shit. It's 3.30 AM. <laughs> what happened? Um, but it's fun. They've they had a recent new update. Yeah, it's one point five now. Now you can have yeah. like an island farm. Yeah, I, I I still need to go through all the updates. I played it, so it actually started. This is kind of like famous narrative. It was like literally a independent game coded by one person. Like he just wrote the entire game by himself for fun, and it became this like smash hit. Yeah. Okay. Which is pretty I, incredible. 
I'm excited because I got a few games for my birthday. I have not broken them out yet, but Stardew Valley was one that I had requested and received. So, yeah. yes, it's so fun. It's just really sad because my data is all on like the old Steam account, on my <laughs> Steam account. I can't like transfer it to like my Switch. So basically, I'm just oh. like I have to use my laptop to I play. I have so I just checked. I have 80 hours logged on Steam for Stardew Valley, and I have another 80 hours logged in my Switch because I bought it on there beforehand. I um, have 93 hours logged. Yeah. That's a lot, Marvin. Are you okay? <laughs> I mean, I didn't play it all at once. Well, well, I did when I did play it. But, I mean, Stardew Valley was made in the image of a classic SNES game, Harvest Moon, which is a game that I played the crap out of in college. And Got it. Like this whole like there's a whole series. It's the um the farm story series in Japan that's that was localized as Harvest Moon and now because of licensing it's now the um Story of Seasons franchise. Um but there's like almost there's like twenty something of these games that they have made over the last like thirty years. Um in like various forms. Don't um, tell me that. I'm already like on this the, way. So no. just on the Switch there's a version of this game, but Doraemon. Stop! It's like I, it's. And this it's is cute why I don't play. It's cute no, this is why I don't play video games because I literally Stardew Valley was like maybe the first game I had played since like childhood when I was in college or right after college, and it like turned me into a junkie. Like I wouldn't shower, <laughs> I wouldn't sleep, I wouldn't do shit. My roommate would be like, "Hey, we're gonna go like eat," and I was like, "I need, I need fifteen more minutes, please. Fifth, fifth, I need to save because you can't save your process. The only way to save it is like you have to go, go to, to sleep, sleep yeah. which wastes a day. So like." Like you want to play out the end of the day, obviously, because you only have 28 days per season and you got to grow shit. So grandpa will come back at the end of season <laughs> year three and be proud of you. I'm, I'm so close. So I want grandpa to be proud of me. I'm in like fall of year three. So come winter, hopefully the spirit of my deceased grandfather in this game will like bless me. Or I actually don't know what happens. Don't tell me. Did you but decide is... to um, fix the community center or yes. sell out to the Amazon? No, no of course. Marvin, <laughs> I work nonprofit. I am definitely fixing the community center. My problem is I can't catch this one fucking fish. Oh. The fishing mechanism in this game <laughs> is really hard on a laptop, on a touchpad laptop. It's much harder than Animal Crossing. And there's like this one super fish I can never catch. <laughs> so I just have to accept that I will never finish the community center. And I have failed my grandfather. But that is okay. <laughs> so I would definitely check it out. If you like these games, if you like Animal Crossing, if you liked Harvest Moon, they need to bring Gunbound back. That was my <laughs> thing in in elementary school. I would... I would highly yeah. recommend it. It the ROI. I don't know how much this game costs. It's been a while. It's pretty affordable. I, I think it's like the ROI is it's cheap now. Yeah, yeah. Um, you could play hundreds of hours just, on this thing. You need to check out Story of Seasons Doraemon. No, it's not. I'm already. <laughs> this is like this is like I'm this is like I'm addicted to cocaine already, and you're like try some crack. <laughs> Or I'm like, oh, here's heroin. Oh, try some fentanyl, and then you would have killed me, Marvin. I'm dead. Thank you. <laughs> but jokes on you. I'm already dead inside. But Han, what's popping with you? Well, um, Marvin graciously accepted my proposal that we share the same what's popping. So uh, because I kind of do, I think I just watched Fast and the Furious this long weekend, and then I read some books that weren't that great, and so yeah. I didn't want to shout out those. Yeah, for so the instead, sake of saving some time for our Fast and the Furious recap, let's <laughs> yes. let's share one today. But um. Yeah, what's popping with us, Han? 
it, what's popping with us is uh, the book Dial A for Aunties um, by Jesse Q. Sutanto. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a madcap. Well, it's not a murder mystery, but it's a madcap. I, here's, here's the thing. Let me just tell you that I read this book without reading the description. <laughs> and so I was actually a little bit surprised. So I'm going to give you the warning ahead of time that if you know anything about like Weekend at Bernie's, it is something similar to that. So it is a corpse style comedy. Yeah. Um, I mean, and you can set up how, how this corpse comes to be. <laughs> well, I mean, the, the, the basic pitch uh, or the, the basic story is um, this woman named Madeline Chan lives with her four aunties and they all work at the same um, wedding planning company together. And she goes, she gets put on this blind date as one does um, as a, you know, 20 something Asian woman living with all aunties and ends up killing her date. Accidental. <laughs> Accidentally killing, not like premeditated killing. Um, and so she's, you know, so she has a corpse. And then what do you do when you have four meddling aunties who actually were responsible for putting you on this blind date? You know, you, you got to get them to help you. Yeah. Well, the catch is this body ends up going with the family to the resort where they're planning a wedding. So it's basically getting through the weekend while hiding this dead body and trying to get away with it. So it's not, I agree. When I first heard about this concept, I thought it, it would be kind of like a murder mystery type of thing. It's like, oh, how did this person die? No, but, we know. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, it, it, it's, it's more of a, how do they hide it? How do they get away with it? And of course, the, uh, the chemistry of all four aunties, one of them is actually her mom, but they all have a, curious dynamic she actually has a pretty big forward talking about how she you know drew inspirations from her own family to create the characters uh, and she's actually, killed somebody <laughs> she also went into how she killed story, someone but the yeah the stories it's really fun it's like concept very madcap very like a lot of hijinks and i'm really excited because this book actually got optioned as a a movie, right? Or TV series or movie? I forgot. Um, it's a Netflix, so I think it's probably a movie. Yeah. I'm very excited about that. Um, I do have one trigger warning for all um, Asian <laughs> and Asian American kids. And that is the don't go into the story expecting any catharsis with the aunties. You will not get it. Because you know what? In real life, you have to kind of learn to deal with your family. And your all your crazy aunties and um and learn to love them as they are, uh. So yeah, there's I I found it very entertaining. I have um, I well four aunties, but like my mom and then her three sisters, and they don't have that exact same dynamic. They're not as <laughs> quite as loud and um and confident, but they do have those little in jokes uh, to the point where they can even speak a certain um dialect where no one around them can understand it, including like other people like my dad couldn't understand my mom when she was speaking in that particular dialect um with her sisters so it's just that sort of like weird tight dynamic was really interesting to me um yeah yeah and and then just dealing with like how they're bad with technology yeah and like these aunties are like very very meddling to the point where it's like you know how you've always wanted like i don't know if you you two have had this experience but you know how you always wanted to talk back at your parents and like Put, taking the task for all the mental trauma that they've inflicted on you over the years. 
that never happens in this book and I wanted it to happen so bad. So it's, it was actually a little stressful for me because she spends the whole entire, whole entire book gathering this stress and there's no release. Oh, I'm like a shitty American whitewashed daughter. So I definitely talk back to my aunties too, which is like a bigger no-no because it's like one thing inside the house. But like, you know, to do it like in front of like relatives, like, you know, lose the face. But I, you know, I never, I never hit first. I just finished the job if they attack. <laughs> This yeah, is why I'm no. not invited to family like functions anymore, though. Which is great. Yeah. yeah, there's no way I can do that. Like, even when I was a kid, if I answered my mom's question, she'd be like, don't talk back to me. I'm like, you just asked me a question. So, yeah, there's none of that going on in my family, yeah. <laughs> including and especially not with like aunts or any outsiders. It's like that's even worse. Yeah. And in the um, end, I guess that makes the story a lot more authentic, right? Because we learn mm-hmm. to just... Except that Take there are just it. some things that we can't change about our families, and we, we just yes. have to live with it. Yeah, and 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 by the way, there is a very tiny little romance in there too. Um, so don't think it's a rom com, which is why we didn't mention it up top. <laughs> because if you think it's a rom com, it is not. Yeah, it uh, was kind of positioned in that way. Um, mm-hmm. And then hearing after you guys were talking about it, I'm like, does I hope homie's like not in love with this corpse. <laughs> <laughs> Someone has to love the corpse, right? Um, but yeah, so yeah. but or like uh, a sexy ghost story because I've read an entire series of that, like yes. horny sexy ghost story. Yeah, uh, you know what? That should be the next one. But um, uh, that's this is actually why I want to see it in the flesh because I think um, hearing that dialogue and hearing the sniping, but then also seeing like the sexy, you know, love interest and and the, this whole wedding that they're putting on. I think will be fantastic to see um, and experience. Whereas reading it, I definitely was feeling a lot of like palpitations and, and anxiety. Yeah, check it out. It's Style A for Aunties by Jesse Q. Sutanto. It's available at booksellers everywhere. Um, so check it out if any of that sounds interesting to you. Jess, what's popping? So it's been a odd, like surprisingly stressful month, I think overall. Like things have generally, I think, gotten better, but work's been crazy. So I have been unwinding with some Lisa Klupa's bodice rippers. So if you're a Bridgerton fan, this is like way hornier. Um, She's also, I think she's a more interesting writer too because she has these historical angles. So one book will deal with like the building, like subtextually, like the background or the setting is about like the building of railroads or like the shift from tenant farmers to like industrial technology or like modern medicine, the development of modern medicine in like the Victorian era. But then like there's still a lot of horniness on top of that. <laughs> I I will. Uh, I second this because. I like the good storytelling with the horniness, but I also like that she addresses things like class a lot <laughs> yes. that we don't get um, from, let's say, the Bridgerton novels. So, yes. yeah. And I do think her female heroines are a little more interesting. Like, they're not just all obsessed with, like, having kids, which was my weirdest hang up of all Bridgerton. Like, Bridgerton are very, very pro kids. They obviously want to start families and stuff, but some of them are like you know what, if it doesn't happen, I've accepted that. Like, I have other things going for me or, like, my family's, like, wonderful. And even her male heroine heroes are a little more interesting. They they also tend to be, um, like, varied and, like, they're all rich. Like, that's the, that's the thing. You, you gotta be rich. You can't, like, <laughs> when, when in this society, when, like, your agency and, like, freedoms are tied to how much money you have, you gotta be rich. 
Um, but you know, the wealth comes from different ways. Some of them are like self-made people. A lot of most of her heroes are like self-made men and, um, or like they they came into the title by accident, like someone died un, un like surprisingly. So it's a lot more like interesting. It's a lot hornier. They have a lot more premarital sex. <laughs> um, the sex scenes are written better, and it's really just like it takes me like maybe three hours to read one of her books. So like it's just like watching a long movie, and it's great. Have I told you that I haven't seen my boyfriend in like three months and I don't know when the next time I will be able to see him. He's in Florida doing his residency. So this is what I got. It's great. Thank you, Lisa Kupas. You guys should read together. No, I would never. You know, some things are like, I have this belief that some things are like purely for you and like <laughs> you don't like I don't like and, and bringing anyone, even if it's someone you love and trust completely adds a layer of like gaze or performance and i'm like no 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 and it's like self-care just you time it is all about myself leave me alone i'm not performing for nobody all right han what's popping with you uh so a new series that is on hulu which is technically it's on hulu but made by fx um called reservation dogs it's a comedy uh co-created by a native american sterling harjo and taika waititi uh, he is not Native American. He is uh, indigenous, Maori, but he is a huge, you know, as we all know, huge proponent for uh, indigenous uh, acknowledgement, storytelling, etc. Um, so he used the, his powers at FX because, you know, he's also behind what we do in the shadows um, to push this show forward. They gave, they pretty much said, hey, you have 30 minutes to decide. And FX said yes, which is very smart. It has an all-Native writer's room. Most of the cast is Native, except for one token white guy and Bobby Lee, <laughs> which is great. Um, but basically, it's it's uh, four teenagers on a reservation in Oklahoma, which is where it was shot. Uh, they kind of pull off a lot of petty crimes. It's kind of fun. Um, and you find out that they're doing this so they can earn money, so they can eventually escape their life and go to California. We also learned that they're doing this because um, one of their own, they used to have a fifth member um, and he had died a year before. So throughout the series, which is actually very funny in a dark yet sort of insightful way, I kind of, in some ways, I kind of compare it to Atlanta. Um, and, uh, there's a little bit of surreal magical realism going on there too. And, uh, but yeah, so throughout, we learn more about each of their lives, kind of the dark realities that, you know, they go to like the IH, um, as health center, um, all this, all this stuff, they make meat pies, they sell meat pies. It's just, there's so much about it. That's just so incredibly like right and specific and authentic. Um, and I think it's going to be eye opening for a lot of people, but for me, it's just like, I find it very funny. Um, and I love that the magical realism things is the, the main sort of the leader of this. It's not even a gang, but they call them. So, you know, someone called them a gang. So they're a gang. Um, uh, whenever he gets hurt or hit in the head, he sees a spiritual, like uh, native American on a horse. And so they kind of poke fun at that because this guy is named William Knifeman and he's such a doofus. <laughs> so like he was like, I was at the Battle of Little Bighorn and, you know, I died. He was like, oh, you died in battle? I was like, well, my horse, you know, stepped into a gopher hole and he just 
throughout every the whole thing it's like really funny so um i liked it um it's it what i love about it is that we now have these two comedies so um uh, rutherford falls which is like way more sitcom-y and then this one which is more like atlanta and dark and sort of um real uh surrealistic um so yeah it's two native comedies totally different i i very much enjoy both um and two episodes are out right now so you should watch it yeah have you seen the whole series already or just the first two? Um, the first two, I went to a premiere for it. So the, oh. <laughs> I got to TV premieres and, and it was on a rooftop, which was nice. Uh, I have two more episodes I can watch and screeners. So I haven't seen the whole thing, but um, I probably will get it soon. I don't remember how many episodes it is, but. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this is a story about teens, right? So is there, is how, how, how cringy is it? No, it's not. It's not in that way. It's not like teen growth um issues so it's not like pen 15 oh. but on the reservation um but it's more about them living in the world and so they're doing their sort of weird crime things but also to the, just you know how kids just hang out that's sort of what the vibe is which is what i like um once you watch it you'll um, have some immediate favorites i think the <laughs> casting is kind of incredible for these four teens because there are so many who are likable one of the teens is called Alora Dannon, which if you know Willow, is the name of the baby in Willow. Um, and that is, for some reason, a running joke in the show. And um, as you can also see by the name Reservation Dogs, that's a sort of a hat tip to Reservoir Dogs. And so you see them in suits at one point. So there's a lot of sort of pop culture sort of nods, but it's kind of fascinating because they're all with Native people. And you don't really get that because there's no Native pop culture that we know that's in the mainstream. And so there's probably a ton of Native pop culture in here that we don't know, but um, Native people will recognize. So I, I think it's fascinating. I feel like I'm learning. I don't know. I, I find it fascinating. Yeah. Oh, and yes, sorry. Bobby Lee is a doctor at the IHS facility. He is he does say some cringy things himself when he talks about the natives being majestic people, but it's definitely done as a joke, self very self-aware. Um, <laughs> he's great. What's popping with you, Jess? Okay, I don't know if you're aware, but the real Eurovision is now currently airing for <gasps> free live Wait. on peacock.com. <gasps> I was wondering, okay, I heard about it and I didn't know where. Okay, tell me. So 2020, they obviously had to postpone cancel because of COVID, but they are back. It is in Rotterdam, which I believe is in the Netherlands. Yes, it's in the Netherlands. Just, you know, geography. Don't like second guess yourself. (laughs) And it is fantastic to experience this in real time with our, you know, European brethren, Um, especially given, you know, that we all watched eurovision the movie (laughs) in the early stages of quarantine and kind of got like now i feel like i just understand it more i've known (laughs) about eurovision for years didn't really get what the whole thing was about and it's fantastic because it's exactly like the movie in terms of the performances like if you cut the movie performances had i not seen it with the real performances i would not know Semifinals, really great place to jump in. There is like still like 30 or 32 countries competing. So there's like a wide variety. But, um, you know, like you're, now you can feel invested and start rooting for certain people. I really like uh, I was really feeling Malta, who the, the singer representing Malta is named Destiny. She's fantastic. And 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there even is the prerequisite like Orientalist, like casually racist performance, or like <laughs> we love to see it. Uh, Do Azerbaijan. Do I know though? you've had it rough, Azerbaijan, but like you know, the songs come like Madahari. They mm. lean into that, and then like I did my own digging. I was like, yo, Madahari wasn't even like an Asian woman. It was this Dutch woman that was like pretending to be Asian. Mm-hmm. I'm like, come on, people. Is that the That's spy classic. assassin lady? Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's like the seductress who like was like supposedly spying for like the Germans in World War Two, but she like probably wasn't. They just needed a scapegoat, which is like, you know, multiple layers of misogyny, sexism, <laughs> racism. But uh we don't talk about this <laughs> this this uh this podcast. Um so it's 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 great. Um the the sets I mean the costumes, the songs, the techno, the lights, you know, the background graphics, it's it's all super fun. The next semifinal round, there's two. They broke it up into two nights. It's gonna be May twentieth, so I guess mm. um Yeah. I don't know, I guess this is coming on the twenty first. Um, but the, you know, the replay's available for free on peacock.com. <laughs> don't don't sleep on it. Wait, so this is free peacock or paid peacock? free peacock oh whoa really even better yeah it's free i was just like you just gotta sign up for an account huh okay awesome maybe this will be my first eurovision live experience uh, uh, yeah, so we should i you should please watch it live because i need people to text <laughs> so except for the whole sort of tribute to the old uh yellow face lady um there aren't actually any asians to go asian for right well, it depends on how you define Asian Han. And again, we don't have to get into it because Russia <laughs> is competing. Um, and, you know, it is. It's funny because it's like fairly diverse. You know, there's a like the, the the Maltese singer I really like is Nigerian Maltese. So yeah. she's a black I mean, woman. technically the stands are Asia, right? The stands are Asia. The genres are Asia. Um, you know, it's it is very international. Mm. Um, you know. I I kind of like <laughs> I was just like awkward. I liked Israel's performance, but there was yeah. <laughs> we can't really <laughs> back them right now. So, but I'm also like that's like funny coming from an American. Like yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so I'm very excited for next the next performance. I I like they are singing in a lot of the songs are in English, but some of them like the Ukrainian group saying woman sang in ukrainian and she was very intense which i appreciated um just like this is fun like it's like it's like sports but i care about it (laughs) (laughs) oh there was one asian i i looked this up the australia who spoiler she did not make it to the next round she did not qualify for the next round she's part filipino so we got some flavor in there Nice. Some so, some some sprinkles in there, <laughs> but watch it, please watch it. I need people to talk to this about. <laughs> so that's me. What's popping with you, Marvin? All right. So I've been slowly dipping my feet back into Star Wars. After I don't even know why Rise of Skywalker broke my heart because I hadn't even watched it yet, but it preemptively broke my you heart. Still so haven't I never, watched it. I took a oh big break. God. I still haven't watched that. I still haven't watched Episode Three neither. Although I know what happens what, what, in it. <laughs> so I'm like, what? Marvin, that one is like 20-something years old at this point. <laughs> I'm just saying, Star Wars and I have a long-term love-hate relationship. Um, it tends to break my heart every so often. And then we have to take a break before you know I slowly ease myself back in. And um, recently, I watched The Mandalorian with my dad. And actually, I um, recently started listening to a Clone Wars rewatch podcast. 
um, called A More Civilized Age. And that actually got me interested in checking out um, the Clone Wars series, which, you know, for the longest time as a fan of the original trilogy, I kind of stayed away from anything that had to do with the prequels. But, you know, since everything is available now on Disney Plus, I decided to check it out. And so I started watching the Clone Wars and the Bad Batch, which is the, um, I guess, the spinoff of the Clone Wars mm-hmm. um, over the weekend. And I got to say, it's it's just as good as people say it is. Um, you know, the first two seasons are a little rough. The animation is not as polished as the later seasons. And the um, the way they tell stories, you can totally tell that it's a show for kids. But even in those early seasons... They start doing the things that I wish the movies did better, which is focus down on the world building and stories of characters that you know aren't named Skywalker. And especially when it came to um, the most recent season, season seven and the new series, The Bad Batch, the animation gets really good, which is great because the storytelling is also at the top of its game. And yeah, I had a lot of fun catching up. I okay. I I tried Clone Wars when probably for the reasons you mentioned, <laughs> couldn't get into it, and so I'm wondering, can I not watch Clone Wars and just jump into? Because I did start Rebels at one point, and then I stopped, and then I was like, do I need to watch? I think they now have Visionaries or whatever. <laughs> well, there's so just a lot. I think they each have their um their their pros and cons, right? Like Clone Wars is about literally the fall of the Republic. And it goes into a lot of themes that are teased at in the prequel films, which is like, you know, the Republic is a regime in decline. The Jedi Order are a group of monastic self-proclaimed space cops that inadvertently aid the rise of a proto-fascist regime. And it does go into how the whole thing was kind of doomed to fail from the beginning. So I think it's actually really worth watching and it really adds flavor to the rest of the canon. And Disney Plus does have a list of like the essential episodes um, that give you the episodes that are most important to the overarching plot. And you can just watch all those and then jump into season seven, which is the most recent season produced um, after I think the show took a five year hiatus. And that season um, does some really great storytelling. Like if you like The Last Jedi in terms of the world building and how it approaches the the politics of the Star Wars universe, um, I think you'll really enjoy um, what season seven is doing. And it's just solid storytelling, like on par with anything like any other streaming service is putting out in terms of content. Yeah. I mean, uh, I guess we'll see. I, I think in theory, I do like exactly what you said, which is, you know, you have this whole galaxy. Why are we just focusing on not just <laughs> not just the Jedi, but the Force sensitive? Like, kind of, I'm over the Force, you know? Yeah, very, very against space wizards. Because mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, when you're a space wizard, you have to be part of the fray. Like, that's your calling. But, like, I really like stories about, like, regular people who are like, what am I going to do? Yeah. What am I going to do? Because there's already enough, like, fantastical and, and curious things and politics going on in the world, uh, in the Star Wars world, that is. So, you know, give me some weird animals with, you know, weird <laughs> limbs and just, and uh, bounty hunters and all that stuff. I mean, so, I will yeah. say the Clone Wars episodes that focus on the Jedi do do a pretty good job, very subtly um, implying that these, you know, space wizards slash self-proclaimed peacekeepers are a little out of touch with what peacekeeping means uh, because they've also self-proclaimed themselves as generals leading armies to, you know, quote unquote, defend democracy. So what you're saying is that Jedis are cops and we know all cops are bastards. You're (laughs) saying all Jedis are bastards. I mean, you kind of saw that in the prequel movies too, right? Like imagine like there's been essays and like think pieces on how Anakin would have never become Darth Vader if 
The Jedi the that Jedi's, just better at their job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if they walk the or, walk, right? Or, you know, if you just let this man, you know, get married and hit it, like, and not have to hide it, <laughs> we'd all be fine. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm also watching The Bad Batch, which is the mm-hmm. most recent um, show that's a spinoff of The Clone Wars. It centers on a group of clone soldiers that have mutations um, because of cloning shenanigans. And so they weren't affected by Order 66, which was the order that compelled all the clones to murder all the Jedi in um, Revenge of the Sith. And so the show follows this group of rogue soldiers as they try to escape the new empire and then figure out you know, how to survive in the new world order. And what's really interesting in the show, in addition to the characters, you know, doing cool mercenary stuff is the fact that the creators also take this opportunity to tell the story of the early days of the this new fascist empire and through you know the background and settings of the episodes we see um what the empire does to start consolidating its power including you know using unification of currency as an excuse to register citizens for um, future monitoring um the establishment of puppet regimes to control the more um rowdy constituents and like the systematic oppression of minorities, which was which was interesting to see. Um, the animation again is real good. Uh, a lot of the space scenes look just as good as like the more recent movies, like Rogue One. Um, and you know, if they never go back on the ground, you might not realize that it's a animated show with you know cartoon people. Okay, Bad Batch. Actually, maybe I can just jump into that, and if it's not, it's less intimidating to me because I know it just started. So, uh, or not started, like it wrapped its first season, but you know, yeah, just this year. But yeah, no, I've been having a lot of fun, like exploring the Star Wars universe through this. Like I had a period of time as a kid where I was obsessed with Star Wars, but all the stories that I read in my youth isn't canon anymore because Disney bought it and decided everything Mm, that was written before like 2008 is now like fake Star Wars. It's legends. Are you still mad about, are you still hurt by that, Marvin? I'm okay. I'm just... Uh, a little bit. I'm just, you know, I have all this knowledge that is now like completely useless because they're not, it's not real anymore uh, because Mickey Mouse has decided to do his own thing with Star Wars. You, you do, you do sound a little scarred, <laughs> a um, little bitter. A little, yeah. Like Mickey did this, he did this. But I'm having fun. I did have a lot of fun this weekend kind of reconnecting with this new version of Star Wars um, and kind of seeing like Dave Filoni and his crew doing things that like J.J. Abrams would never, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I'm still mad. Don't don't <laughs> even watch yeah. Rise no. of Skywalker. <laughs> I'm halfway through the Bad Batch, so I'm looking forward to watching the rest of it this week. And I'm actually finding myself looking forward to like the next few because they're being led by Dave Filoni. All the live action Star Wars that are coming out with Ahsoka, with um, um, who's the sexy spy man, Andor. Oh, that one. Uh, okay, like I am, I am, I, I'm not, I'm, I can't. That one, I'm not ready for. I am not ready for the hate, the 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 hating the Obi Wan with the Hayden Christensen. Like, not ready for that one. You know, my Erskine in it, Deborah Chow's. I that, that those those. I'm waiting for those, but I'm not ready for them because my body and my heart can't take it. So yeah, maybe this will give me the motivation to finally watch Rise of Skywalker. Point yourself, so like you don't even got it. You know, we could probably do. Let's do. We should probably do like a pop culture gap episode where I watch episode three and episode nine. I think it should be a live react. 
I think we should all watch as a live <laughs> react. Uh, but yeah, Star Wars, good again in my book. So that, that's good. <laughs> um, let's start with Jess, because I feel like your topic <laughs> is like very timely. And I need to... We need to unpack this, yes, together. Okay, so I've been very busy. And other than Squid Game, I've not been able to consume a lot of media extracurricular things. But I took time out to engage in bad art friend discourse slash kidney discourse slash subpoena the group chat discourse. <laughs> I saw it smattering on Twitter and I was like, am I going to take this on? And there was such a weird jumble of words. I'm like, I have to know what's going on. Like, usually it's something pretty straightforward. Like someone said something racist or someone was being transphobic. This was like, what the fuck is happening? Um, So... For those of you not in the know who are blissfully unaware, you are now will be cursed with knowledge. <laughs> so basically, this woman, aspiring writer, donated her kidney as a living donor, like not to a particular person. She just decided she's going to donate her kidney. Could proceeded to make a Facebook group about the fact that she donated her kidney, added a bunch of people who she apparently thought were friends. Um, seems they did not feel the same way. One of those friends, I'm putting friends in air quotes, was a writer who used that whole kidney thing and this letter kidney woman wrote to her eventual donor uh, as a basis for a short story that got very popular. And basically kidney woman started getting litigious and suing or was like very upset that it was not acknowledged and then writer lady was like oh kind of like gaslighting her because she did admit in the subpoenaed friend group records that she did take the inspiration and a few words plagiarizing from the letter which she has now subsequently changed and then like celeste ing is involved in this <laughs> did i get everything um i'd say probably like 80 percent yeah, it's a very yeah. complicated. Basically, it's a New York Times Magazine article, which, by the way, was pitched by Kidney Lady. I think that needs to be brought up in the discourse as well. Mm -hmm. She pitched this story to the New York Times. Yeah. And uh, which, man, oh my God, where do we I start? Mean, number one is since when did New York Times start running Am I the Asshole stories? That's mm -hmm. my thing. Yes, this should have been a Reddit thread. <laughs> I think it would have been. Much more fun as a Reddit thread. Um, one thing you missed was the fact that after she had posted, created this fan group to, you know, follow her kidney donation story, posted this letter. She went in and checked who liked her post and <laughs> went on to confront the people who did not like her post with a, like a passive aggressive like, hey, I noticed you haven't engaged with my post. Just wanting to let you know about my story. Blind donating my kidney. I don't know. I feel like. Like all this, all the drama of like the plagiarism aside, I feel like we all probably know someone like this. These narcissists in our, oh, like, yeah. in our social circles, especially those of us who are parts of communities, right? Are we are we talking about the narcissist fact or are we talking about the delusional both. fact? Because that, that's the tragic combo. She is both narcissistic and delusional because narcissists have like, okay, you did a great deed. Awesome. But you know, if you keep, wanting kudos and rewards and benefits for your good deed is it still a good deed even if it's a scale of donating an organ and then the delusional part is just she's so unaware of like 
the actual relationships in her life, mm-hmm. right? She thought these women were really her friends. And that's why she was so hurt and like, you know, like kind of felt so betrayed. And they were like, they've gone on record, including Celestine. She's like, we're not her friend. We like met her once and like knew her like, we, like we, I didn't even know her yeah. last name. I'm like, ooh, that burns. Yeah. Wasn't she just some, she participated in a lot of like, was it Grub Street? Like writers workshops, right? And she's mm-hmm. one of, we all know those people who like attend all the workshops and like, it's like podcasting in some ways or, you know, like online personas where because you engage so much with the content you feel a kinship with you know the hosts what are they call mm-hmm. yeah parasocial relationships <laughs> yeah. right yep. yep yeah and then the discourse around this whole issue has been between are both of them assholes or just one of them an asshole uh, i think they both did wrong yeah but, but like who would i rather in, be friends with i know who, who. Is, yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 also i just think i don't even think like any criticisms about the group chat should not be allowed because it's a group chat it's a private group chat for a private group chat of friends dealing with like this woman who is like making your life difficult they were actually very kind and very generous or at least the quotes kinder than i would ever be yeah my my group chats about like people who have slightly inconvenienced me are significantly more brutal like i don't i don't understand like and it's yeah, it's the group chat. If you can't be bitchy in a group chat with your friends, that part when can that, you be a bitch? So wild. Like, I yeah. would never want to know what other people are talking about me behind my back. Yeah, I, even uh, yeah, I, even if I suspect, you know. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't need to know. Some things are just better not. It's, knowing. And it's also, you know, what I fully respect other people's right to talk about me behind their back my back and 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 it's fine if it's like not nice because you know what that's what those conversations are about it's it's kind of like when people like reveal too much on on twitter i'm like don't you have a slack for that don't you have a friend group like that's what all of that is for they do not yeah i mean it's just like yeah like we you are everyone's human you don't have positive feelings about every single person you ever meet all the time Mm -hmm. and it's like to punish someone or to like i think to punish someone for like this like i think what is a very standard like level of cruelty Mm -hmm. in a group chat is like very close to being like, oh, you're just not allowed to feel bad feelings about anyone ever, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, this was not supposed to be public. This was not supposed to be, yeah, like, on record. Because the the so. thing about that that I find, it, like, unconscionable is that she's using that subpoena and the group chat to help boost her lawsuit. So that's the thing that I find ridiculous. It's like, you might have had a plagiarism, you know, lawsuit and, you know, grounds for that, like with some of the earlier versions of this story that this woman wrote. But like she has now since changed it. And um, yeah, and she never like sold or marketed any of the older versions that were sim- more similar to the letter she wrote. So I was just like, this is just ridiculous because right now it has like no resemblance to you know her story or even her letter anymore so it's kind of like you basically just want personal acknowledgement that you know you inspired something when that is this is where it it comes in when we're talking about writers it's like you get inspiration from everywhere honestly and it's true like where is the line well i feel like the line is when it no longer resembles it then like you can't uh you get like svu is like it's ripped from the headlines all the time come on or you know like that weird thing where 
it's based off you, but it's like a very bad portrayal. Mm-hmm. So like you're just smart and be like, I'm not gonna say shit about that. Like I'm not gonna Streisand this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then ironically, I saw this take on Twitter. Someone was like, well, now that kidney lady has dra- dragged a writer lady into all this and into her story. Does she owe writer lady like life rights mm-hmm. or anything? Yeah. I want to know. I want to see the sequel to the story, which is where the writer of the New York Times Magazine article options his story into a film, which, you know, it's coming because Hollywood yeah. is out of ideas. I, I did enjoy his writing because there were very clear <laughs> phrasings that really showed like this kidney lady is just off a rocker sort of thing i mean it ends the article ends after like we go through the whole ordeal Mm -hmm. like litigious like the litigiousness everything at the end he's like yeah this kidney lady just watches all the virtual panels that writer lady is on and she's like oh but she's doing her due diligence right (laughs) But she just watches. I'm yeah. like, oh, yes, sir. We know yeah. where you stand. Throughout in this. the whole thing, like every single phrase, like he, even the way he describes her novel in progress as a sprawling novel, I was like, oh, <laughs> like you definitely made me not want to read this thing. Um, and just, yeah, like they're just throughout the whole thing, you just, if you had a highlighter, it'd just be like, oh, you can tell where this person is, like their loyalties lie. And then when it comes to writer lady, uh, the, uh, the author is very neutral. Mm. <laughs> so. <laughs> Anyway. Oh, anyways, yeah. Just wild times yeah. we live in, guys. Everyone get off. Get, just everyone go go breathe some fresh exactly. air. All of you who um, was not aware of this, and let's just mention are now. Cursed. I'm so sorry for bringing you it know, to your to your sphere. But now you can now when the story comes up in your friend chat, you can you can provide your own perspective. No, we're all gonna blow up our friend chats, right? Nothing in writing anymore because <laughs> it might be subpoenaed. Good luck oh. sorting through all my thirst tweets yes. about Gong Yu. <laughs> Have a good time. Oh. Anyway. And that'll do it for this bonus episode of the Good Pop Culture Club. I hope you enjoyed our look back on the year that was. And yeah, please stay tuned to the Good Pop Culture Club. We'll be back next week with the full crew for our first official episode of 2022, where we'll be doing our MCU catch-up, going over the Marvel properties that came out during the month of December, including Hawkeye and Spider-Man No Way Home. So I hope you come back and check out our hot takes on those. Uh, But until then, thanks for listening. Have a happy new year, and we'll see you next time. Bye, everyone. Hey, Sharon. Hey, Remen. How are folks still racist? I know, right? We're like two decades into the 21st century. Yeah. And second question, where's my jetpack? Well, I can't help you there, but have I got a podcast for you. Modern Minorities is a show where each week, my longtime pal Remen and I uncover common and uncommon truths that we all need to hear for our majority brains and ears. Yeah. Sharon and I have spoken to doctors, lawyers, directors, climate activists, angry Asians, athletes, chefs, writers. Folks who are black, brown, gay, straight, and everything in between. Past guests have included comedian Margaret Cho, Southern Poverty Law Center journalist Geraldine Mariba, comics creator Jean Lun Yang, and many, many more. We've even talked about Ramadan, Black History Month, Kamala Khan, and Robin being queer. It's like we're trying to solve racism with the podcast. Challenge accepted. So check out Modern Minorities at modmypod.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Remember, we're all modern minorities, but we're no one's model minority. 